All right, people. <clears throat> Good afternoon. How are you doing? We're back. Hard Talk Radio. We got some stories to get done today. All right. So first one we're going to cover is Rayshard Brooks situation. All right. We're going to look at the body cam footage. Now you can see he was Rayshard Brooks was clearly in the wrong where he was at. second time now let's see what happens the second time parked in the middle of a driveway at a Wendy's Radio, 
My man, hey, you good, man? You seem like you were passed out before. I want to make sure you're okay. Why'd you fall asleep in the... In the... What's up? Okay, how much did I drink tonight? Not much? How much is not much? Say one drink. What kind of drink was it? Just one little margarita. How about any, any drugs today? I don't do drugs. Okay. Okay. Uh, is this a rental car? What's What's the deal with that? I said to. Uh, I said to. Do what? Rental. rental gotcha. Where'd you rent it from? Um. We place down off the town. Okay. Certified officers working with his own right now. I have any DUI certified units, code 7. 
sure for the radio. It's possible we can raise one to come to this location. He was asked more than once now. This is the, th what, second, third time? Now we're going to see what happens now. All right, man, just stay in the car for a minute, all right? Keep up your license. I'll be right back with you, all right? All right, appreciate it. Hey, Tati, kid. 1023, go ahead. Smells of alcohol. Alright. Looking at all the things that are against him. I don't want to. I just want to make sure you know that. 
good. Yeah, you're good, man. Just kept, why don't you stay in the car for me, all right? I don't want to keep asking you. Just, just sit in the car for me. Relax for a minute, all right? All right. Sir. See, everything he this Rayshar Brooks did, he put himself in harm's way. Driving drunk, okay? Completely out of it. Couldn't listen to police commands to move his car. Car get here. 
I mean, it was here before I came. Like, this is my car. It's a rental car, my sister. But, I mean, like I told her, I, I, I came here, I met her here. Okay. From the beginning, and she picked me up. And, I mean, we went out. So we you met her here at the Wendy's? Yes. And then you went out with her? Yes. And, and then she came, came and dropped back you off? here. Okay. And, you know, I mean, like I told her, I'm going to say, hey, babe, you know, I, I just want a burger or I want fries. She said, hey, no problem. I'll take you there. Right. You get your fries and you come back to the hotel. Okay. No so problem. the reason why we're here is because somebody called 911 because you were asleep behind the wheel while you were in the drive-thru, right? Do you recall that? I don't. I don't. You don't recall that? You don't no. recall just minutes ago where you were passed out behind the wheel in the drive-thru? Uh-uh. You don't recall that at all? I, absolutely. Complete, I don't. Just complete blur. I, I wasn't driving. Like I said, I, I just gave my uh, girlfriend. She probably was uh, sleeping, but... Like I said, I said, babe, I want free fries. So far as I'm aware, you're the only per person that's been seen in this vehicle, huh? Yeah. One person. You've been in the driver's seat the whole time. So how did the car get into the drive-thru line? 45. With you behind the wheel. She drove here. I said, babe, I'm drinking in a black car. In a black Marlboro. And you got into your car. I said, hey, you know what? No problem. I'll just meet you at the hotel. And she said, hey, get out. So after she drops you off here in her black car, your car was parked where? Here. Okay. So how did your car get from here to the, the drive-thru line? I, I never moved. So how did it get there? It, it never did get there. I, I told you I was in her car. Well, we've got a 911 call of people reporting a guy passed out behind the wheel in the line. This officer gets here and sees you. Everything's on camera. Sees you. In the line. Here in the line. In the well, line. I, was, I wasn't in the line. Did I pull you over in the line? I, I walked up. You had to wake up, man. You didn't in pull the, him right over. here? No, it was here. I had to wake you up. What? Look. They went back to sleep and I had to wake you up again. Like I said, I, I'm I'm sorry if I... Your Honor, I, I just got something to eat. I went to visit my mother's gravesite. I'm not causing any problems. Well, we gotta make sure that you're safe to operate a vehicle. Now, do you know where you are? Yeah, absolutely. This man, is, watch what he says. Oh, Lord, as far as part, Old Dixie Highway. Old Dixie Highway. The whole lodge is there, right, right here. Subway. A subway. So it's a subway right here. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like I said, I could, I could. So you, you think that you're in Forest Park right now? I'm on Old Dixie Highway, Clayton County. No, you're not. Well. He's in Atlanta. This is how drunk he is. He he's so drunk he doesn't know where he is. Forestburg, Georgia. No. Jonesboro, Georgia. No. Try again. I have to. I mean, like I said, I'm on Old Dixie Highway. Nope. I'm not on Old Dixie Highway. No. Quite a ways away from it. Huh? This is a bridge is here. Nope. No bridge. No, I'm saying Old Dixie Highway. You're not near Old Dixie Highway. I'm not. You're, you're not even in Clayton County. Where am I? You're in Atlanta. Yes. Old Dixie Highway. Old Dixie Highway is not in Atlanta. This Forest Park, Georgia, right? Right. This isn't Forest Park. This is Atlanta. I mean... Anyway, how much have you had to drink today? I drank earlier. Okay. How much have you had to drink? That's when I had... I had a drink. 
One drink is not going to have you so drunk that you don't know where you're at. So your very last drink, how many drinks did you consume? I had one drink. What kind of drink was it? A margarita. Uh, okay. How big was the margarita? It was just a small cup. A small cup? Yes, sir. Have you taken any medication today? No, sir. Any drugs of any kind? Marijuana, no, sir. cocaine, nothing like that? No, sir. Do you have any medical conditions, physical defects? Hold on, let me finish. Do you have any medical conditions, physical defects, or injuries that would affect your ability to walk, balance, no, or operate a vehicle safely? I'm okay. Nothing. He was drinking while on probation, by the way. Nothing whatsoever. No, sir. No issues on the end of it. No, sir. All right. Uh, can, you, can you take your hat off for me? Just leave it in your car for me. Just leave it in your car. Can you step out with me, please? Yes, sir. Okay. Do you have any weapons on you or anything like that? I don't have anything on me. Is it okay if I pat you down just to make sure? If you... I have just money, gas, and that was it. Is it okay if I pat you down to make sure you don't have any weapons? Absolutely. Right. He says he wasn't operating the vehicle. How did he get to Wendy's? How did he get to be sleeping in the parking lot in his car? You see how bad this is getting now? I, I got in the car. She parked. I have no problem. Like I said, I was just trying to give me something to eat. Okay. And go back to my hotel. Uh, well, we have a police officer that actually personally witnessed you. Okay. Let me just read something right here. In the state of Georgia, Georgia right? where Brooks was murdered, the rate of individuals on probation is roughly 320% higher than the national average. To reiterate the point, Georgia leads the nation with 5,600 people on probation per 100,000 adults. Rhode Island, which has the second largest problem population, I'm sorry, the second largest probation population, has 2,822 per 100,000 adults. In Georgia, the average community Supervision officer, better known as probation, handles a caseload of 120 to 130 people. This number is more than the double what the American Probation and Parole Association deems appropriate. With such overload cases, and issues will inevitably rise. So why is the problem so prevalent in Georgia? According to a 2017 study conducted 
by the Georgia Council on Criminal Justice Reform, the highest rates can be traced back to two main issues. One, probation was used widely as a sentence in the of incarceration and a combination with imprisonment as a split sentence. Georgia's average, number two, Georgia's average probation is much longer than other states. Probation period. The nationwide average of a probation sentence is roughly four years. In Georgia, the average is 6.3 years. Okay. There's something I want to let you guys know. This man, again, we see he was highly intoxicated from the from the jump. Okay, what we know, he was on probation, so he should have been walking on a straight and narrow. He decides to get drunk. He decides to be drunk and pass out, take a nap in the driveway and Wendy's. Witnesses saw him. He's so drunk he doesn't even know where he's at. He's so drunk he doesn't even remember operating the vehicle to get there. So all we're seeing right now is Rayshard Brooks is pretty much digging himself a hole with his actions. Okay, to continue, all right. 
so all right so maybe you're wondering how does this translate into more probationists in the same study the council of criminal justice reform found that more than two out of three every three people who entered a prison were there based on a probation or parole violation to highlight this that statistic let's play out a hypothetical scenario I'm a young man in Georgia, and I get arrested for on felony marijuana possession. In the L of a prison sentence, I'm given six years of probation. During those six years, and furthermore, forevermore, I'm a felon. While incarcerated and waiting for my bail hearing, I missed a couple of days. And once my employer found out about the charge, I was terminated. I know the job market is tough on felons, but I'm too worried because I have a college degree. I'm not too worried because I have a college degree. I tried to get a job stocking shelves at a local grocery store. Under usual circumstances, I'm overqualified, but with the felony on my record, I know my options are limited. Hoping that my degree will outweigh the felony, I think I have a decent shot. Turns out, at my local grocery store, doesn't hire felons. No sweat. There are plenty of other places. Maybe I go over to my preferred fast food chain. Same result. Now, it hasn't, now it's been a month, and I'm running low on cash. My rent is kind of expensive prior to my arrest, and I have a middle-class job, and I could afford it. Now, with my new substantially lower income, I'll find a new, I'll find a cheaper apartment. I visited a place. I know that's on the other side of town, but they ran a background check and I'm dinged. Sorry, sir, but we don't approve your application because if your background check disqualified you. So now I'm facing a situation where I have no job and I may not have a place to live. And now I'm trying to get my act together, but also know I'll be evicted if I can't make a little money. And now I know because of my arrest, I could always come up with some discretionary income by selling marijuana. So I turned back to my old customers and one afternoon I'm pulled over again. At this point, I violated my probation and I'm facing new charges and now I have no money to fight the case. It looks like serial jail time. And this situation happens all the time. Once you find yourself in a cycle of probation and incarceration, it can be impossible to find a way out. In Georgia, unless you meet a narrow set of guidelines, a felony is permanent. That means from now until Georgia law changes, you can expect to face barriers to employment, housing, government assistance, if you're still on probation or parole, professional license, etc. Okay, so my thing is this, okay, with Rayshard Brooks and many others, if you know you're on probation, why go, if you know the laws are so bad there, when it comes to you committing crime, why do it? Why get drunk? All I'm seeing here is a lot of evidence stacked against Rayshard Brooks, and they try to make him a victim. I'm starting to see the only victims here are these two cops who were doing their job and were very patient with Rayshard Brooks. Kind of reminds me of the cops that were patient with Corin Gaines. All right. Stop walking until you completed the test. You understand? Yeah, absolutely. 
Do you have any questions for Adam Foreman, Sam? Um, no, sir. All right. Here, get back in the starting position. Put your right foot, heel to toe, front of your left. Right foot, heel to toe, front of your left. Taking about, your right foot, heel to toe, front of your left. Well, it was, it was kind of off. All right. So front. These shoes are kind of off. All right. Are you comfortable performing the test in those shoes? Yes, sir. If you want, you have the option to take them off. You want to leave them on? Can I take them off? It's up to you. They're brand new. It's up to you. You can take. You can leave them on. Or you can take them off. Whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, I'm not sure. I'm brand oh, new. I'm not sure. I can't. They're, they're brand new, sir. I just put them on. Okay. Then. I haven't even drawn them or anything. But it's up to you. What do you want? All right. You want to do it with them on? Yes. All right. If you understand all the instructions, you have no questions. Go ahead and begin whenever you're ready. He said, repeat that again for me for the sobriety. You want me to demonstrate it again? Yes, sir. All right, hold that position. Don't begin until I tell you to. Watch me while I demonstrate, okay? Your hands by your side. You're going to take a series of nine heel-to-toe steps, counting them out loud. One, two, three. I took three steps. You're going to go all the way to nine. You get to nine, get your lead foot planted. Take a series of small steps to turn yourself around. Take nine more heel-to-toe steps. One, two, three, all the way until nine. While you're doing that, look down at your feet. Your hands by your side, count your steps out loud so that I can hear them, and don't stop walking until you complete the test. You understand? Start one mile. You're going to start in that starting position with your right foot, get a turn in front of your left. All right. Do you have any questions about how to form the test? Yes, sir. All right. If you understand all the instructions, go ahead and begin whenever you're ready. One, two, Sorry about that technical difficulty right there. Here we go.
On a scale from 1 to 10, with 1 being completely sober and 10 being very impaired, how do you feel? I'm 10. I'm very impaired. You feel very impaired? Absolutely. I'm, I'm okay. I can I can do whatever. Like I said, I can, I can, I can make it happen. So. I, I, I don't think that means what you think it means. So, 1 being completely sober, haven't drank anything, and 10 being hammered drunk, how do you feel? On a scale from 1 to 10. You feel completely sober. I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I just woke you, up. You don't feel the effects of the alcohol that you had whatsoever. Absolutely not. I can, I can make it. I can make it wherever I need to be. I'm right here. Like I said, I'm home lodge, sir. Home lodge isn't closer. It's, it's right behind the home lodge, right here, ain't it? Where do you think you are right now? I'm on Old Dixie Highway. You're not on Old Dixie Highway. Well, I'm not on Old Dixie. What Highway, city do you think you're in? He said that before. He's in the old Dixie Highway. No, no. He's, this is he's plastered. This man is plastered. Who brought you here? Who brought you here? He man. speed it up a little bit you know because i'm on technical difficulties and for time constraints all right you can watch the link on your own if you want to see the full clip
I was a little tired ahead of the day because we just came from North Carolina. Do you think that you're safe to operate a vehicle right Absolutely, now? Mr. Roth. And how much have you had to drink? I had two muggle, uh, one and a half margaritas, Mr. Roth. <coughs> one and a half margaritas? Yes, sir. Margaritas? Yes. Have you had anything else today? Any other type of drink? No, sir. You haven't had any daiquiris? I haven't had no daiquiri. I had one and a half, one small cup of margarita. Margarita. And I'm up now. Y'all got me up with this. Gotcha. I'm up now. I guess like if hey, will you take a preliminary breath test for me? Uh, what's what's that? It's a little handheld machine. I have you blow into it, and that lets me know if you're uh, positive or negative for the presence of alcohol in your breath. I've I've been drinking. Okay. I I, I do um say that. Okay. But I'm only going a few minutes down the road. I got you. Uh, I'm just asking. Will you take a preliminary breath test for me? I mean, I I don't know what it is. I just said it's a little handheld machine. Let me know if it's positive or, or negative for the presence of alcohol. It's part of my investigation. You know it is the presence. I've I know. Been drinking. I know. I can tell. It's just part of my investigation. But it's, like it's, I said, it's, I, it's, I, it's, if I have to park this car right here right now, hold on. It's, it's just a yes or no. I don't. We don't need to go back and forth about it. It's just a yes or no. But what if I what if I take this test and I, I don't care about I can walk home. He cannot walk home. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't even know, remember driving. He cannot walk home. He wouldn't probably walk home. He'd probably try to get back in that car and try to drive. And he may end up killing somebody. All right. I think they've had people who tried to argue, yo, the cop should have just let him walk home or just, you know, walk him to the hotel. He doesn't know where he's at. So how can they walk him? To a place and they and Rayshard Brooks could just lie and say, Yeah, this is the hotel. And he may end up harming somebody because he's not in his right mind. Too much of the alcohol is what has influence over him. No matter how you slice it, he brought his own demise. Sad. I just don't want to be in violation of anybody. I can walk my, my sister's house is right here. Do you think that you'd be in violation of something if you, if, if you were to drive your vehicle? If, if, you know, if that's less possible for me to park here, lock the car up, and do everything that I need to do within the presence of you guys, I can just go home. I have my daughter's there right now. My three, my daughter's birthday was yesterday. All right. Hold on, Mr. Brooks. Will you take a preliminary breath test for me? Yes or no? I don't want to refuse anything. Uh, it's yes or no. It's completely up to you. Yes, I will. Okay. Just wait here while I drive. she ordered she said top shelf or whatever top shelf what i'm not sure it was like i said it was her birthday and it was my daughter's birthday intent to you know have a good time and i said babe you know i'm hungry let's go my 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 baby's mom she was there i said babe go ahead i'm cool you know here's the money for the blow up bed tomorrow here's the money for you know, to enjoy herself tomorrow. You want to give me a burger or or something? Just take me home. I'm ready to go. So you had about one and a half drinks, but you don't remember what kind of drinks it was. No, sir. 
All right. I really don't want to All right. I think you've had too much to drink to be driving. Put your hands on your back, boy. Put your hands on your back. Here, hands off the taser, hands off the taser. All he had to do was comply with the cops, but he knew he violated his probation and he was going back to jail. He was going back to jail. That's why he didn't want to go back to jail, but that's his fault. You cannot tell me that these cops are the villains. You can't tell me the cops are the villains. They are not the villains. They were very patient with Mr. Brooks. They treated him with respect. I wish these more cops were like these two cops right here. I feel sorry for these cops and their families. Okay. It is sad what happened to Mr. Brooks, but all this is on him. You can't put this on uh you can't put this on the cops. As I said before, they are not the villains here. By far, they are not the villains. People will get mad. I don't care. Let's hear what the community has to say. Brooks was shot and killed, continues to kill more than two years later. 11 Alive Joe Ripley is live in southeast Atlanta after speaking with residents about how they feel now that the charges are being dropped against those officers, Joe. In three words, disappointed, wronged, and confused. That is how residents I spoke with earlier today felt after hearing the special prosecutor's decision had those charges dropped from the officers involved in Rayshard Brooks' death and after what they especially call a painful two years for their community. They did not shoot him in the back in order to get him. That was wrong. And, uh, you know, they talk about he had their laser. That laser was not going to kill nobody. Columbus Ward lives in the People's Town community of Atlanta, about a mile away from where Rayshard Brooks was shot and killed in June 2020. He believes the officers involved... What they don't understand, if someone gets hit with a taser, they are paralyzed for a good couple of minutes. <clears throat> a high-ranking black police instructor talked about it, that the cops were justified in shooting 
Rashad Brooks in self-defense because they had a taser. They had he grabbed Rashad Brooks grabbed a service weapon, a taser. And if he hit one of those cops, they would have been paralyzed. And Rashad Brooks, in his drunken state, could have possibly took that gun and killed those cops. Can't make any excuses for Rashad Brooks. He was one hundred percent in the wrong. Like I said, I really feel sorry for these two cops' families and them. They went through a lot. And I hope they get their jobs back. Hold on one minute. Well, the thing is that you have to understand the fact is if your son's on probation, he's driving drunk. I mean, what do you think is possibly going to happen? A lot of these people don't want to see that Rayshard Brooks was in the wrong. A lot of sad to say a lot of black people don't want to see that. And that's a, a pattern that they have to break, that sometimes black people, people, period, cause their own deaths at the hands of the police due to their own actions. This person was intoxicated. This person resisted arrest and grabbed a service weapon. Alright? These people who do these type of things put their own life at risk in the life of cops. Okay? Cops have families too. The minute you try to take a service weapon, you're, you're basically saying you want to try and kill a cop or kill somebody else. And you're going to get put down. Sad thing is, it's like when you tell the truth as a black person, as I am, you tell the truth, you're going to be called a coon, you're going to be called a sellout, you're going to be called an agent, everything but a child of God. I can imagine what they'll tell a black woman who says that, yo, Rayshard Brooks caused his own death. We have to look at that. We have to look at the facts and not our feelings, okay, and not our skin color at times because this right here, clearly he put himself in that situation. If he complied, he would be alive today, possibly in a jail cell, but he would be alive. Those protests two years ago, we saw the Wendy's where Brooks was shot. 
burned down. Of course, coming up at 6, you're going to hear more from the community on what they thought of those protests and why they say they can't afford to have violence like that break out again. So, people just, uh, I'm sad, sad to say people are not going to listen. They're not. Okay. They're not going to listen. That's just how it is. All right. So, we got two clowns here. Who decided to kidnap a government official? But in a case, sometimes it's, you know, these people can be clowns. I'm just going to be honest. Because I think this is a type of, uh, this was a type of uh, governor that had very tight restrictions during the uh, 2019 situation, if you know what I mean. And it hurt a lot of people. I'm not saying it's right what they did, but you're going to have a lot of people are going to get sick and tired of these types of uh, restrictions put on them. Let's get into the story. A jury has convicted two men of conspiring to kidnap Michigan's Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020. Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr. were also found guilty Tuesday of conspiring to obtain a weapon of mass destruction. Four months ago, a different jury could not reach a unanimous decision on the verdicts. Now each man faces life in prison. Arpan Lobo has been following this story. He's a reporter for the Detroit. Yeah, uh, leftist governor. And a lot of them were with these harsh policies. And a lot of people were fighting back. They didn't like it. Okay. These people shouldn't have done it anyway. These two men. I mean, you can't can't do it. Just move to another state. All right. But you're gonna have some people that are going to act out. Unfortunately. Detroit Free Press. Arpan, thanks for being here. So, what did we learn about the plot and the suspects in this trial? Right. Matt, this is the second trial against the Fox and Croft in particular, but in this case against the conspiracy to kidnap Governor Whitmer back in 2020, a lot of the evidence presented in the second trial was very similar to what was shown in the first trial. Audio recordings of these men discussing their plans about an attack on the government, it evolved through different stages. At first, there were discussions about storming Michigan's capital, similar to what we saw on January 6th of 2021. Then it developed into uh, firebombing uh, Michigan State police cars in Lansing. Eventually, before it circled on a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer from her vacation home in the northern part of the state. Uh, before that happened, though, the men, six men, uh, were ultimately arrested, uh, largely in part due to FBI undercover informants who gathered intelligence and those audio recordings that were played in the Trump. Yep, Trump supporters. I, I'm... <laughs> Oh, man, some of these Trump supporters are not too wrapped in the head. They feel they could, they're helping out Trump. They feel that 
this is the way to go. No, no, no. You're gonna go to jail, and you're, gonna sp- you're spending life in prison now. You had to learn to adapt, not sell out. Learn to adapt. You don't like what's going on in your state. Go to a red state. You don't like what's going on in a red state. Go to a blue state. That's it. Trial. So a, a lot of the content in the trial was particularly the different plans, but also a lot of the recordings about just the the rhetoric these uh, individuals had, kind of anti-government views. They were particularly frustrated with COVID-19 restrictions, as a lot of people were back in 2020. And ultimately, though, as the uh, federal government prosecutor said today, they can be fed up, but when you uh, take it too far, as what happened, at least in this case, there will be consequences. So one of the federal prosecutors said that the defendant's goal was to not necessarily capture Governor Whitmer, but it was to, quote, set off a second American civil war. So the question that everyone, I think, has is why was Gretchen Whitmer the target of this plot? Right. I think that's a great question. Uh, as, as I mentioned, the, the COVID uh, restrictions in particular were a point of frustration. Michigan, like a lot of other states, had uh, health restrictions in place back then. To deal with the pandemic, Michigan was among the states hit a bit harder at times. Uh, Governor Whitmer became a target after Adam Fox and Barry Croft were connected online. In particular, when you mentioned the American Revolution, uh, Barry Croft had a uh, a lot of Facebook posts about being a patriot. He had a tattoo with the, the three on it, talking about being part of the three percenters group. It's kicking off this American Revolution or Second Civil War, referred to as the Boogaloo uh, at times, was meant to be the uh, what was going to be kicked off by kidnapping Governor Whitmer. Well, Whitmer herself said these plots are, quote, a disturbing extension of radicalized domestic terrorism that festers in our nation, threatening the very foundation of our republic. So are officials there in Michigan worried about more extremism? war plots, especially leading up to more elections? I don't know if uh, elected leaders in Michigan are, are particularly worried about more plots like this, but I will say that a lot of elected officials are incredibly concerned, as Governor Whitmer's statement indicated, about the rhetoric going on, uh, and particularly heading into November. Uh, the Republican endorsed a candidate for Attorney General Matthew DiPerno after the first trial resulted in no convictions, was posting memes on Twitter kind of making fun of Governor Whitmer uh, and this case. And so there has been a lot of concern about not uh, exactly uh, condemning these types of, uh, this type of rhetoric. And so uh, state officials, particularly uh, Governor Whitmer, but also Attorney General Dana Nessel, are hopeful that today's convictions can kind of send a message that this rhetoric will not fly anymore. All right, great reporting, Arpan Lobo. Thank you for that. A lot of Trump supporters just acting a fool and going crazy, just going crazy. Yes, I mean, these Democrat cities with these Democrat tyrannical leaders are crushing businesses. They are... um, Making it hard for people to live Homelessness is on the rise Crime is going through the roof But at the same time You can't lose your head Okay Because the reality is That's what they want That is what they want 
Okay? They want you to act up. They want you to act a fool. They want you to be caught up with a prison charge. Alright? They want you to be broken. And now you have no means to feed your family. That is what they want. Okay? And they will stop at nothing to get it. Alright? And they're happy when you crack. They are happy. Don't give them that satisfaction. Just like that, you know, even with people in life. I mean, even on a job. This woman, she exposed a... Uh, she exposed something that was going on on her job. Working for a uh, hotel business. And she was met with the retaliation. Instead of just quitting, documenting everything and going to a lawyer, she decided to take it into her own hands. They'll laugh at you. Okay? Living slowly, we're seeing we're living in a tyrannical society. Okay? But we have to try and keep a level head. Alright. So on with the next story right now. I mean, this is just sad, but this is something that's been going... There's a rise in this. I don't know why. But there's a serious, you know, rise in women being pedos now. It's sick. It's sad. And it's, uh... It's it's sick. That's all I could say. It's extremely sick. Alright, let's get into it. Okay. Australian horse heiress is saddled with charges after being accused of having sex with a 14-year-old boy four times in a single day. Savannah Daisley, 45, faced Waverly Local Court in Sydney on Tuesday on child sex abuse allegations, with Judge Jacqueline Millage denying her bail over the quite disturbing allegations. The glamorous mother of two, who is the daughter of famed Aussie horse breeder Ross Daisley, strongly denies the accusations and intends to plead not guilty. Cops claim an unbridled Daisy molested the minor four times before 5 p.m. on May 20th last year. It's unclear whether the pair were known each to each prior to the alleged acts. Daisy's defense lawyer cried near, arguing that the accusations against his socialite client were made in spite and that it was an oath versus oath case. However, prosecutors Daniel Richardson claims evidence straight from the horse's mouth exists. He said a police officer told him about a recording of a tardy phone call made by the heiress in which she allegedly admits to kissing the teen. Richardson claimed that the recordings reveals that Daisy had little recollection of the incident, perhaps due to her being intoxicated at the time, but she says, I thought you were going to call the police on me. I thought we had placed this in a little box and thrown it into the deep 
into the sea. The prosecutor told the court, the officer's instruction to me was the phone call was quite damning to her. The facts are that admissions were made that were captured on telephone intercept and it was quite a serious matter. Daisy's Instagram account has been deleted, but a screenshot of the recent post obtained by the news.com.au features a caption penned by the heiress revealing she was 223 days sober. The post also reveals that she had walked away from a partner of eight years. Daisy is a trained neuropath who founded the business Smart Cleanse, which offers various 14-day detox plans. The company website reads, over a number of years, Savannah has helped teens of thousands of people detoxify their bodies, lose weight, and heal their digestion, improve health, fitness, eliminate stress, reverse the aging process, overcome various adverse health conditions through the benefits of detoxification, and is passionate about doing so. The brunette is also the author of two books, 14-Day Smart Cleanse and the forthcoming Epigenics, which is said to examine how stress and toxins have a detrimental effect on cell function and structure. Daisy's father, Ross Daisley, shot to fame after his thoroughbred racehorse closer won the prestigious Royal Ascot and New Market races back in 2003. He offered to pay 10000 to ensure his daughter would return to court if she was granted conditional freedom. What? <clears throat> Sorry, man, but you, you got to show that tough love with your, with your kids. They screwed up. They got to pay the price. A judge denied the offer. Daisy will remain behind bars until her next court appearance on August 23rd. Well, that's something. You know, that's shocking that... The courts finally recognize that uh, you have predators that are not only male, but female. Okay. All right. On to the next one. Okay. The world is slowly feeling the pain of this Russia-Ukraine war. That's what slowly is happening. cup of woes is spilling over. The economy is in a bad shape for weeks. We've been talking about an impending recession. Tonight we can tell you the Eurozone is sinking. The Euro is Europe's de facto currency and it has dropped to a two-decade low. European economies are in dire straits. The global recession we've all been worried about could begin in Europe. Tonight on Gravitas, we'll discuss how bad this could be. We start with the story of the Euro. They say the strength of a, of a currency reflects the might of a nation. But the Euro is not just in Europe.
here. Right here. currency and it has dropped to a two-decade low. European economies are in dire straits. The global recession we've all been worried about could begin in Europe. Tonight on Gravitas, we'll discuss how bad this could be. We start with the story of the euro. They say the strength of a, of a currency reflects the might of a nation. But the euro is not just any other currency. It is the identity of a united Europe. Europe has 27 countries, 19 of them use the euro as their currency. This bunch of 19 is called the eurozone, and they're all struggling. The first big fall came in July. The euro hit parity with the dollar, meaning one euro was equal to one dollar. This happened for the first time in 20 years. For perspective, last July, one euro was 1.2 dollars. So last month, it hit parity, and now the euro has sunk further. Today, it is cheaper than the US dollar. And this is a sign of economic distress. Why is the euro losing its value? Because European economies are struggling. They're facing three major challenges. Number one, the energy crisis. Number two, the high inflation. And number three, political turmoil in some of their biggest economies. Europe was already fragile after the pandemic. These three problems have exacerbated the situation. First, the energy crisis. It could single-handedly ruin Europe's economic future. This is how it began. Russia invaded Ukraine. Europe sided with Ukraine, it backed sanctions against Russia, Russia struck back and disrupted gas supplies, and now Europe is suffering. Yes, the invasion of Ukraine has no moral justification. Hear that? Hear that? You bit the hand that that uh, that feeds you. The bear was feeding you. Now the bear says, I don't want to feed you no more. Now you all are, are uh, in trouble. But once again, I don't understand how you could go inside with a racist nation, yet you claim there's no racism, especially America. Okay. So I can't really feel sorry for Europe. I can't. I feel sorry for the citizens because these are their leaders that they have over them who choose to make a bad decision like that. You know about Ukraine's history. Again, you know about it. The horrible things, the Nazi support. Okay. Even how the alphabet mafia is real heavy down there. We still support them. Okay. We got to think about our uh, America too cuz America supported Nazis for 8 years, our American government. So we can see that now we know they're white supremacist colors through and through. Okay. So miss me when someone says America is not a racist nation. I'm sorry. The government is racist. I'm sorry. The government is racist. People, you know, there are people who are not racist, but you have a lot that are for white supremacy. Sadly, you'll have people of color who are also for white supremacy, thinking that's going to help them. But Europe dug itself into a hole by sanctioning Russia without a backup for energy supplies. They're paying a hefty price for this. Experts are already counting the losses. I have some numbers for you. Supplies to 12 EU member states have been hit. They've either completely lost access to Russian gas or they're getting only partial supply. So only 12 countries directly hit, but all of Europe will feel the impact. And it will not be a pretty picture. Consider an assessment by the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. It says three countries will be very badly hit. Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic. A complete 
end of Russian gas supplies will be a big blow to their economies. They could shrink by as much as 6%. But the worst hit will be Germany. It is the largest economy in Europe. It gets almost half of its gas supplies from Russia. If Moscow cuts off this supply completely, Berlin stands to lose a whopping $225 billion in the next two years. Let me repeat that, $225 billion in losses, that's what Germany faces. Yesterday we told you how crucial their economy is to Europe. It is their growth engine, and now it's stalled. It's only a matter of time before the rest of this continent feels the impact. What's making things worse is the skyrocketing inflation. It's at a 25-year high. Inflation in Europe touched almost 10% last month. And the Eurozone is not insulated by the rising cost of living. Inflation in the 19 countries that use the euro as their currency touch almost 9%. This is the average. The numbers look pretty bad for some countries individually. Like Estonia, their inflation has crossed 23%. Latvia, over 21%. Lithuania, almost 21%. From energy to food, everything is expensive in Europe these days. Again, the numbers are scary. Energy bills in Europe have shot up by almost 40%. Food, alcohol and tobacco, about 10%. Industrial goods, 4.5%. Services sector, 3.7%. So there is runway inflation. And more often than not, this leads to a political shake-up. Leaders lose their jobs when prices become so high and remain high over a long period of time. The first casualty is Italy. The government of Mario Draghi has crumbled. The trigger was an economic relief package. It was aimed at addressing the rising cost of living in the country. In May, inflation touched almost 7%. That's a 36-year high. Prime Minister Mario Draghi was trying to address it, but one of his coalition partners backed out. They said Draghi's support package did not go far enough. The Allies pulled support. The government collapsed. Italy will hold an election next month, in September. In May
beat that $225 billion in losses. That's what Germany faces. Yesterday, we told you how crucial their economy is to Europe. It is their growth engine. And now it's stalled. It's only a matter of time before the rest of this continent feels the impact. What's making things worse is the skyrocketing inflation. It's at a 25-year high. Inflation in Europe touched almost 10% last month. And the Eurozone is not insulated by the rising cost of living. Inflation in the 19 countries that use the euro as their currency touch almost 9%. This is the average. The numbers look pretty bad for some countries individually. Like Estonia, their inflation has crossed 23%. Latvia, over 21%. Lithuania, almost 21%. From energy to food, everything is expensive in Europe these days. Again, the numbers are scary. Energy bills in Europe have shot up by almost 40%. Food, alcohol, and tobacco, about 10%. Industrial goods, 4.5%. Services sector, 3.7%. So there is runway inflation. And more often than not, this leads to a political shake-up. Leaders lose their jobs when prices become so high and remain high over a long period of time. The first casualty is Italy. The government of Mario Draghi has crumbled. The trigger was an economic relief package. It was aimed at addressing the rising cost of living in the country. In May, inflation touched almost 7%. That's a 36-year high. Prime Minister Mario Draghi was trying to address it, but one of his coalition partners backed out. They said Draghi's support package did not go far enough. The Allies pulled support. The government collapsed. Italy will hold an election next month, in September. Investors are already worried about the outcome. Italy is the second largest economy in the European Union, so political stability is a must to address inflationary pressures and to revive Europe's economy as a whole. If Italy flounders, the rest of the Eurozone will struggle too. Investors, it seems, are losing faith. In July, they dumped Italian government bonds. Italy is being seen as a basket case. Then we have the United Kingdom, technically not part of the European Union, but a major European economy nonetheless. The UK too is struggling. As the Conservatives look for a new Prime Minister, inflation is biting the people. A major US bank has made a prediction, a dire prediction. It says, Inflation in the UK is on track to cross 18%. That would be the UK's worst inflation in almost 50 years. The Bank of England blames the energy crisis for all of this. It is officially predicting a recession. Now, this rise in energy prices has exacerbated the fall in real incomes and so led to another significant deterioration in the outlook for activity in the UK and in the rest of Europe. GDP growth in the UK has slowed and the economy is now forecast to enter recession later this year. This has unsettled many workers in the UK. Earlier this week, thousands of dock workers announced a strike. They're protesting for the first time in 30 years. They say they're unable to make ends meet. They want salary hikes immediately. It's nothing to do with the national... Now, this is the thing. The dock workers are the ones who bring in the products from overseas. Okay, imagine if this happens with America, with the dock workers. Products are good. The production, you know, supply chains will be slowed down. And people will, will not be able to get their supplies and the, the stuff that they need, which could cause riots. And will cause inflation because there's very little supply to meet the demand. So they'll jack the price up. Stock up, stock up. That's all I could say, stock up. ...strategy or anything like that. It's something which has happened here at a local level, and it reflects what's happening elsewhere, because people all over the country, I think, are feeling the same way. 
that's why it appears to be, you know, perhaps it appears to be coordinated because people everywhere are feeling the same way and, and coming to the same conclusion. Enough is enough. We are not going to take this anymore. And these workers are not alone. Transport staff, postal employees, garbage collectors, even some lawyers have all announced walk-offs. This is the picture of the UK. So as Ukraine completes six months of war, the devastation, like I said, is being felt way beyond its borders. Europe's economy is bleeding, and the whole world is bracing for impact. Leon is it, this is scary, man. This this is scary. This is not a joke. This is like, oh, this is happening in Europe. Europe and America are very similar. Okay? And this could happen here soon. All right? People walking off their jobs, quitting. Lawyers? Lawyers are the ones who try to get justice for their clients. Imagine if you have a lawsuit and you can't, you have a lawsuit case and you can't get a lawyer to help you. A, comp a competent lawyer. All right? This is crazy, man. This is this is out of control. All right. Here's this next story. Oh man, products of single mothers. That's what I could say. Products of single mothers. We have an unusual robbery on New York City streets to tell you about. The NYPD says these three women robbed street vendors at but the only thing they took was some of the victim's clothes. News force Mark Santee has been looking into this. He's in the concourse section, and you spoke with the victims today, Mark. Yeah, we spoke with them just a short time ago, and David, this all took place within walking distance of Yankee Stadium. The victims telling us it's not just what the women took, but what they said that hurts. Yeah, like, if I want everything, I take everything. But did they start grabbing clothes? Yeah. Everything. Hurling racist slurs while stealing clothing from their street stand, these two vendors say they were attacked and threatened by these three people. I'm scary because I don't, I don't do nothing. Just say, like, get out of here. Um, you take everything, and I said, don't worry. And I try to call the police. Asking we not show their faces or give their names. They're speaking out before another street vendor is threatened or hurt. They say the girls punched them and then pulled a knife. How scared were you? Like, too much. Too much because you don't know why they, they do. What? Maybe he caught, like, my... Face. Police released this picture. The victims gave us this cell phone video and say until an arrest is made, they are worried to go back to work. And the victims tell us the women stole hundreds of dollars in merchandise. They say it's crucial to support their family. Police are looking into, and they're working the case right now. We're told police are looking into whether the suspects are responsible for other crimes in the area. We're live in the concourse section of the Bronx, I'm Mark People are not raising their kids That's what I see They're not raising their kids And they think it's a joke Okay Because People are going to get tired They're going to get fed up Of blacks 
And they're not going to distinguish between, okay, this is a person obviously from a low-income environment. No, they're going to look round up and look at all blacks as the same. Okay? That's what's going to happen. All right? Because people are going to get fed up with this lawlessness. They really are. But unfortunately, I mean, with the cops quitting the force, this bail reform, the consequences are going to look like a joke. The legal consequences of this all. All right. Now I'm going to end with the last story that I got here. Let's see. Second. One second. Okay, here we go. to pay a local man nearly four and a half million dollars this coming after a lawsuit claims a store worker discriminated against the man. This is Queen 6 News at 6. I'm Elizabeth Jen. And I'm being token in for Jeff tonight. Our Jenny Young talked to the victim and his attorney this afternoon about this huge award. Jan Liz, this goes all the way back to March of 2020 when um, James Magnus is in his mid-50s. He was at that
This is part of a deposition with Multnomah County Sheriff Sergeant Brian White. The vast majority of it came from deputies on my shift uh, who had become extremely frustrated with uh, a pattern of behavior that they had identified of Mr. Williams calling uh, 911 to report uh, dangerous uh, active situations such as customers physically assaulting him or loss prevention employees or other Walmart employees while trying to steal and then the deputies determining that that never actually happened. Attorney Greg Capori tells us the store had been warned by the sheriff's office that Williams had been turning in false reports and the day after the incident with Mangum, a deputy reportedly went to a store leader and voiced concerns about Williams. She, in a half an hour of listening, never even got the man's name, never took a note. That's Walmart, and that's why, that's why the jury hit them as hard as they could, hard as they could. All right, in a statement, Walmart told Coin6 in part, we do not tolerate ex uh, discrimination, and they believe that this verdict is excessive and is not supported by evidence. But Dan Liz, we know that by Oregon law, 70% of that $4.4 million award will go to the state attorney. All right. A Multnomah County jury has slapped Walmart with 4.4 million in damages after a Portland area man said in a lawsuit that a theft prevention employee racially profiled him for shopping while black and tried to have him ejected for bogus reasons. Michael Magnum said he left disrespected and embarrassed after a worker at the Wood Village Walmart began watching him, then summoned police and falsely claimed Magnum had threatened to smack him in the face. When he said he's going to call the police, I couldn't believe it because I hadn't done anything. Magnum now 61 told the Oregon, Oregon Live in an interview, the only thing that was going through my mind was, you have a right to be here. Litigation was a landmark test of a recent, recently passed state law that allows lawsuits against anyone who improperly calls law enforcement with the intent to discriminate or humiliate another person or to unlawfully ban them from the property. State Representative Janelle Bynum, Democrat of Calacamas, spearheaded the law after a constituent called the police on her while she was canvassing in 2018. Magnum's attorney, Greg Calfrey, said he believes Friday's verdict is the largest sum awarded by a jury in racial discrimination case in Oregon history. Calfrey said the 2020 case was partially troubling because the multinational corporation knew the theft possession worker had a history of hyperbole but failed to take any action. Walmart has no respect for the community, they have no respect for the rights of their customers, and they have no respect for the police, he said. The jurors, they awarded every nickel what we asked for. Randy Hongrove, a spokesperson for Walmart, described the verdict as, ex as excessive and unsupported by evidence, saying staff did not stop Magnum. Maggum. Maggum instead interfered as workers monitored confirmed shoplifters and then refused to leave despite being asked repeatedly to do so by Walmart staff and deputies, Hargo said. We do not tolerate discrimination, Hargo said. We are reviewing our options, including post-trial motions. In general, Walmart could appeal the verdict or offer a settlement in exchange for not, uh, for not appealing. Magnum said he was a regular customer of Walmart for years without incident, so much so that his multiple trips per day 
to the retailer retailer has become a re running joke with his wife but when he stopped by the wood village store to pick up two dollar light bulbs for his refrigerator about 7 45 p.m on march 22nd 2020 26 sorry 2020 the fairview resident said he noticed an employee in the same aisle the theft prevention prevention employee identified it court papers as 32 year old joseph k williams asked madam why is he was he staring at him according to the plaintiff well because you're looking at me magnus said he replied williams then ordered him to leave the store but the employee's also rationale was because i said so magnum recalled after i further exchanged words magnum said williams called montauk sheriff county sheriff's deputies to the scene and sporadically claimed magnum had threatened to assault him the deputies interviewed magnum magnum and Williams and also spoke with a white couple who had witnessed the exchange and were largely sympathetic with Magnum's account, according to court records. The deputies determined no crime had been committed and a Walmart manager allowed Magnum to complete his shopping trip, the court records say. Williams couldn't be reached for, for comment, but in a deposition, he denied the allegations that he wrongly called the police saying Magnum had threatened to hit him. Williams no longer works at the store, Calfrey said. During the deposition, Deputy Brian Gerkman told Calfrey that Williams had a history of embellishment, had a previous claim a shoplifter was brandishing a knife when he actually had it in his pocket. Gerkman said he had heard similar stories about Williams from other deputies. In another disposition, Sergeant Brian White said he warned Walmart's general manager the day after the incident about a repeated pattern of Williams' exaggerated circumstances to make them sound a lot more serious and more dangerous than what the deputies actually found them to be. Consider how badly this could have turned out for Michael Magnum if the responding police were not of the extraordinary quality of men that did show up. Calfrey told the jury during his closing argument, Magnum is a well-known figure in local violence prevention circles. He works with high-risk kids for Home Forward, the Portland area's housing authority at Rosa Parks Elementary in North Portland, and has a second job with the city of Greshman running a night gym to keep the youths from joining gangs. Ever since the Walmart confrontation, Magnum said he feels pinpricks of doubt whenever he's going out shopping, feeling that he could be racially profiled at any time, but he said he's glad he took a stand. When you know you're being treated right, when you're not being treated right, don't accept it, he said, because we're all humans, we all should be treated equally. Well, I'm glad Mr. Magnum got his settlement. Okay. And Walmart has to be careful of the people that they hire. Okay. Because you're going to lose business. You can't be having these male Karens out and about, especially in your place of employment where you're trying to make some money. They will mess up your bag. All right. That's all I got for now. Maybe I'll do a two to three hour stream one of these days. That's about it. Okay. Um, anything you want to know about this channel in the description box. Okay, later.